0: welcome to the family finance show with diana granu proudly brought to you by old mutual this podcast is your weekly guide to effective budgeting planning and future-proofing of your family's finances because money matters to every family and every family matters at old mutual enjoy the show my name is diana and this is the family finance show the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better Every week, we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt, and investing for the future. Welcome to the Family Finance Show, and thanks so much for listening. Today, we have Warren Ingram back on the show. For those of you who are new to the show, Warren is an award-winning financial planner and author, and a regular guest here on the Family Finance Show. Welcome, Warren.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be on.
0: So Warren today we're sp- speaking about generational wealth and here again like so many other things on in different families different people have different goals around leaving a financial legacy so it's certainly not the same for each family and while it's not a personal goal of mine to leave a big legacy for my children and grandchildren i do understand why people want to be able to leave money to their children especially if you grew up in poverty with no safety net and you're always just on the edge of not being able to pay rent or buy food that kind of existence is really hard and so no one wants that for their, their children so I get it people want their children to start from from a higher level than they started from and they, they never want their children to experience uh, poverty. But maybe just to start, do you often get people coming to you for advice on how best to leave a legacy for their family?
1: It's it's probably the the thing I spend most of my life doing at the moment is to, you know talking to families about this exact issue, and and you're 100 percent right. You know, I think a lot of families uh, will will have very different approaches to to how you know how this works. You know once you've once you've got let's say the founder of a family uh, you know um, wealth let, you know, for, for want of a better word. That founder doesn't spend a lot of time, often you know, with the with the you know that founder's family because the founder's working incredibly hard. You often comes from a really tough background, you know, and is extremely driven. Um, and and so what they what the founder wants is to give their you know that you know their children everything, and and so they do. Uh, unfortunately, they don't give them the skills to handle money and the, and and the ability to understand the impact of long term uh, you know the long term impact of their decisions. Uh, and, and often you know you, you you find this sort of classic cycle of you know the founder creates this huge fortune um, the second generation do their best uh, to to whittle it away and by the third generation you know they're, they're back to where the founder was be, before the founder got going uh, so so it's a hugely complex uh, uh, issue and i think uh, you know legacy could be a financial legacy but but the other thing to understand is that it it could be a legacy of of understanding how money works and and how you know, businesses work and, 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 and maybe the skills required for, for people to manage their own capital and to and to, to kind of build, build their own fortunes and futures. And, and so I think that, that you know, there's, there's a lot involved in this this you know generational wealth transfer and, and it gets hugely complicated, for example, when you talk to farmers, because, you know, you, you might have a farmer who's got a family farm, and that should stay in the family for the next, you know, 10 generations. But the farmer then has two children and, and immediately creates an issue of who's going to inherit the farm. So, so there, there's a lot involved in this.
0: Um, when you were talking about uh, that, that stat or the the research that shows how quickly generational wealth ha- is lost, I, I also looked into that for this topic when I was preparing. And uh, in most cases, it's the stat that I found is ninety percent of the uh, wealth, ninety percent of families lose their wealth by the third generation. So I was doing a bit of research to see examples of different families. And here in South Africa, we have one of the wealthiest families is the Oppenheimer family. So uh, Ernest Oppenheimer founded Anglo-American, and he's passed on this massive wealth to four generations. And I think there's a fifth now with uh, Jonathan Oppenheimer's three children. But this is quite an unusual um, situation. I think that, as you say, most, most families lose that, uh, that generational wealth by the third, third generation. Um, But it also reminded me, and I can't, this is not a comment on the Oppenheimer family. I'm not sure, I don't know them at all, but I um, had an experience of working as a waitress in a pub in Cambridge in the United Kingdom. And there was a chef that worked there. He was, I don't know, I must've been about 18 or 19. And and I think he was about 22. And he was doing this job, uh, a chef in a a pub in the UK is not a very skilled job, but he was doing it. And he always used to say, I'm just doing this job until I turn 25, because then I inherit everything in uh, a trust fund. He had a trust fund. He got got control of the the trust fund when he was 25. So that was like, it was actually a bit disappointing because he had really no ambitions except to wait until he turned 25 and then to stop working and spend all the money he was going to inherit, which uh, to me doesn't sound like a very exciting life. Um, but any tips, Warren, to prevent that from ha- happening if you are a person who wants to pass on generational wealth, but you don't want your children to kind of just wait until they get their inheritance?
1: Yeah, I think I think we actually have some great examples, but we just we don't always know what, what, what's unfolding in front of us until someone points it out. So so the people that are hugely accomplished at, at, at this kind of intergenerational wealth transfer uh, w- would be a lot of the older, you know, very old, in fact, uh, European families you know, and not always aristocracy, but, uh, but just European families. You know that have, that have kind of specialized in 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 moving the, the you know this this generational wealth uh, on to you know up to sometimes now you know eight or nine hundred years worth of, of wealth transfer uh and, and the best example that we would see, because a lot of the time we will never see uh, those families, we don't know about them, they're not public figures, uh, and, and, and their money is certainly not uh, you know, broadcast as, as holdings and shares, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, but the best example that we can see in the public domain, for example, would be the British royal family. And it's no coincidence that every male member of the British royal family uh, has military service in their, in their career. It's no coincidence that every one of them has to support a, a charity, and in fact, they can't just, you know, attach their name to a charity and attend a, a gala function every now and then. You know, the, the the press in South Africa love to cover, you know, Prince Harry going to build houses, you know, in 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 Lesotho and and around South Africa. I'm sure he was doing it because he wanted to, but there was another reason, and the and the the other reason was because it's part of what's required of the family. In order to 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 attain certain benefits from the family wealth, from and and a lot of these are are, are built into structures, you know, called trusts, uh, and they're certainly not designed to be super tax efficient or something like that. They're designed to be controlled by people who are independent of the family. But who have a set of rules, and it's usually called a trusteed, that are designed by the family and and they have to hold the, the the future beneficiaries to account. So, for example, if you don't do military service, that that means you're not going to be entitled to all the benefits uh, of, of of the family wealth. Secondly, you know if you don't perform your your royal duties, you're going to lose out. And thirdly, if you don't go and participate in the in the charities, et cetera, et cetera, they, they, then you you lose out further and and what what the the purpose of this is is twofold one it's not just about a, you know kind of a set of hurdles that the person has to overcome what they're trying to do and that that would be the real uh, you, you know tip that i would be giving families in this position is you need to give your, your your children an understanding of their privilege because you know I think that that's the what the, the you know privilege is there you can't escape it once you're a wealthy family you know your, your children are going to just naturally be you know go to better schools d- d- deal with other families who have more money and so it's it's incumbent on parents to understand that they have got to give their children a d- different set of education than just school education and university they've got to give them an understanding of. Both the privilege that they have and, and the only way that they can get an understanding of that is to understand what the opposite looks like. And and it's actually giving your children a social responsibility and it, you know, giving them a sense of of, of purpose away from money and away from just sitting in a pub and waiting for, for money to arrive. You know, and so that could be conservation projects, it could be you know building houses, it could be, you know, starting schools or or feeding schemes, et cetera, et cetera. But it should be clearly documented, it should be clear steps that people have to follow. And it starts when the children are very young. It doesn't start when they're 18 and, th- and then this is the first time a conversation is had. So, so I think the families that do this incredibly well, they, they understand that, uh, you know, especially once they're into the second or the third generation, that they are simply custodians of an asset that get used for their education, for their children's education. They, they, it gets used to, to house those children, but certainly it doesn't get used to spoil them. And I think that that's the major difference in and i and I take your point, you know you were saying it's not it's not an important thing for you but but I would guess you know you you are going to give your children an education you are going to give them some kind of exposure to to what the world looks like and you know maybe you know we we've spoken in the past about travel et cetera and and so it's already giving them an understanding of of their place in the world that they are not the center of the universe that there are other people out there and other cultures and other generations and so for families that, that are in this privileged position, they just need to understand that they can't uh, not talk about money and they can't not talk about the, the, the privilege that they have. What they've got to do is give those children jobs, and I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, work job, but but jobs to do, purpose uh, to fulfill. And it should be multidimensional and there should be clear understanding of what happens if you don't fulfill those those roles. And it doesn't link to you have to be a doctor or you have to be the top academic or a professional sports person or something like that. It's about saying you have to have purpose. And, and I always think Warren Buffett's a fabulous, uh, modern example of that. You know, he, he's made it very clear to everyone, including his kids from day one, that they're not going to get a lot of money from him. They, they will get enough so that they can, that they won't starve and they will have a house, but, but not, not so much that they can do nothing. And I think that that was really important for them, and they knew that from day one. So, so all of them have different lives, you know. And 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 you know, Howard, his son, is a huge conservationist, and and makes a huge impact on the world from, from that perspective. And I think, you know, it, your purpose doesn't have to be to make money, but but you have to give your kids purpose. And this should be a part of a conversation. You, you can hear I'm passionate about this. I haven't stopped talking. I'm sorry, but 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 I think it's something that should be conversations around the dinner table. Uh, you know, and that's another tip. You know, parents, you know, have, have conversations with your kids around the dinner table, not in front of the TV, and 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 start this. You know, and and make understanding of what what it is our role in the world, and what do we feel as a family. About changing the environment, or saving, uh, you know, saving wildlife, or stopping the rainforest being burnt, or you know, do we want to educate children who who are less fortunate than us? But but it must be something that everybody buys into, and and then they need to understand their commitment to it, and it should be, it must be a time commitment. It can't just be you know lip service or an Instagram post. You know that doesn't help.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, very interesting, Warren. Very very interesting. And um, while I'm no Warren Buffett at all, um, I, I really resonate with what he says because for me i want to give all my my children all the opportunities i can while i'm alive so to give them the best education that i can and to to have a safety net for them should they need it if if they need the safety net it's there not i I don't want to tell them you'll be inheriting x amount um by the time you're 25 but to know that they, they have a safety net so that they can take risks and and definitely rather than leaving something financial behind the legacy i want to leave there behind for the world is is children that are have strong values and who have good skills who are uh, financially responsible and they've got skills like resilience resourcefulness that to me is so much more important than leaving a financial legacy even though of course um for, for for different people it it is different um so warren in practice it's the, the theory is very simple, but in practice, it's actually much harder to accumulate sufficient assets that will actually last you beyond your own retirement. And that's really beyond the reach of most people. But I suppose if you do have this very long time horizon, so perhaps you're not thinking about your children, um, that you might be thinking about your grandchildren. So let's say you've got 50 years um, and you've got this long time horizon and you might have a goal of wanting to pay uh like uh, education for your, your grandchildren. Um, I suppose you could start with a relatively small amount that has a lot of time to grow into something substantial. Would you agree with that approach?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think that's the, you know, that's a legacy, right? That's something that you, that, that people, you know, it's a wonderful purpose to leave, uh, leave behind. And, and so definitely, you know, I think, uh, you know, I mean, 50 Rand a month starting now, uh, the, the impact of that by, by, by in fifty years time is enormous you know it's it's a huge amount of money and, and so that's the that's the trick with you know both the compounding of of the investments that you have already if you leave them for long enough, but then the compounding of adding small amounts of money to that. Every you know every month of every year for, for many many years, and so definitely you know that's something that uh, you know that can happen. I think uh, my, my comment to that would be it's worthwhile doing, and it's and you know fifty rand is not too small an amount to start, and uh, you know that's a really important point as well. But secondly, you just need to make sure you've got the right uh, structure around that. You know if you you know if you if you have that vision, and I think it's a great vision. I certainly believe in it, and I would I would suggest that to anybody who's got a little bit of extra money every month. Uh, you you know, that that you, you just need to make sure that it goes into the right place on day one. In other words, you know, it can't be an account in your own name, you know, and if you're 35 and you're planning for for your children's children, you know, it needs to go into an account that's not linked to you and that doesn't die with you. And then therefore that your kids just inherit it and spend it. You know, it, it's got to go into something that lives beyond you. And, and again, you know, it, that, that might well be something like a trust or a company, uh, you know, or, or a charitable uh, trust. You know, certainly that's a great thing to, to, to start Uh and and then, you know, build that for, 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 for the whole family to understand. This is what we're doing. We're, we are setting aside 50 Rand a month. This is where it is going. It's not going to be for your benefit. It's going to be for your children's children. And, and this is how we're going to grow it. And, and, and definitely, you know, I think it's, a, it's an awesome idea. And I think it's, uh, and, 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 and as I say, you know, people don't need to be multimillionaires. They just need to start with a small amount of money that gets set aside for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, and I think the the important thing on top of the transparency that, that you've mentioned and that I think is also very important is that you've got to have a kind of vision for what the money will be used for when you're gone. So if it is for education or if it's for travel or if it's for starting a business or whatever it's for, you've got to be quite clear and then communicate that to everyone so that it just doesn't become fun money to be spent on a yacht or I don't know, uh, whatever other money that can be just, you know, whittled away through the generations. Um, Do you have any last advice for people who want to build generational wealth, Warren?
1: Yeah, I think um, I think you actually you're touching on the point, uh, you know, very, very, very clearly there. One of the things to understand is, you know, the the best democracies in the world uh, that, you know, just overall the best countries, the best companies, the best schools, the best universities, charities, uh, businesses, the one thing that they all share is they've got a documented, I'm gonna call it a constitution, but the name will change whether it's a company or a trust or whatever the deal is, you know, but for a country, for example, there is a documented constitution that guides the principles of what needs to happen. And and that would be my suggestion for all families that are in a position where they where they believe money might move from one generation to the next. And it's even more critical if it's going to go to the second or third generation. Have a family constitution that decides these things, have it written down it doesn't mean that it becomes a dead document it could be something that the family looks at once you know once a year and they and they update and they revise and and that becomes part of things like your trust structure you know that becomes something that's documented and observed by independent trustees who look at these things uh, but, but it starts with the family saying what is important to us what are the principles that drive our decisions and in future, when things happen that people haven't planned for, which must happen because the world changes you know, in 50 years time, who knows what a cell phone looks like or who knows what a car looks like. Uh, so, so there'll be things that we can't foresee today. But what we can say is here are the principles of how we want our family uh, to, to to move on and the and the legacy that we want to leave behind. And so I think that that would be a critical point is, you know, if you're not good as the founding family member, you know, the mom or dad who actually built the business that's created all of this wealth, and you know, it's not going to be a strong point for you, then make sure that you create a constitution with people and say, you know, this is the constitution, you share it with the family, you live that once a year as a as a family and let the family take ownership of it and become proud of it and, and, and work on it themselves as well, but guided by certain key principles. And I think that would be my biggest tip for, for people in this position is don't, don't expect that things just happen because you've had, you know, 12 conversations, you know, with the family. It must be written down and it must be agreed and must be something that everybody lives and breathes. And, you know, they should almost be able to recite it in their sleep when you wake them up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, and if that happens, then, you know, you've done a great job.
0: And just before you go, Warren, um, I just want to touch on something you, you mentioned earlier about a farm, for example, uh, inheriting land. And I'm also thinking about a business, so in passing down a business to the next generation. What happens in these cases where there are more, there's more than one child that has to uh, inherit this asset? How do you go about uh, dividing this fairly? Do you have any guidance for people who who thinking of either passing down? some uh, land or some or a business to future generations
1: yes yeah, so, so there are there are a few kind of sets of principles i guess that that, that people could be guided by i don't think that the, you know, in this instance that you know what one solution fits everybody so so for example um you know if you you mentioned the, the oppenheimers one of the things that's very clear there is that they are not required to be the CEO of uh, you know, in the old days De Beers or Anglos or anything. They're not required to run the family business. Um, and, and so that's important, you know, that, that the family constitution, you know, if, if, a, if a company, for example, is the thing that created this this wealth, then, then it's not required of them to necessarily be the, the, the people to run it. You know, if they are the best people to run it, that's great. But the family constitution should say that the interests are of the of the business and the family and the family is best served by a very healthy, very productive business that continues to grow and adapt to the world. Uh, and it's you know it's crazy to think that it just because you know you share you know dna with someone that you'll now suddenly become uh, you, know, you know a great business person that that might be the worst thing to do so so i think it's important to say that you know we we are custodians of an asset and our job as custodians might be to appoint the best managers of that asset so so i think with the business it's you know you know that's the, the it's certainly a golden rule in in that whole thing and if i were if I have watched over, over now the last two decades, the, the successful transition of ownership of businesses from one generation to the next, one of the things that's happened is people who are interested in the business, you know, if you're a child, you know, now a young adult child of, of the founder, the, the, then a successful transition is you go into that business right at the bottom. And you work in that business, you know, earning your stripes like anybody else in the company. Potentially, you know, you might even have to work a bit harder than everyone else. And, and you don't have a privileged position. Uh, you know, you, you, you work your way up. And, and you might find that your natural level is halfway up the organization. It's not at the head. And that's absolutely fine. I think for farms, it's much more tricky because, uh, you know, you know uh, in the old days, you know, it was just the oldest son got the farm. You know, it didn't even matter if, if, the, if the daughter was the oldest, you know, that she just lost out. And, and thank goodness the world has evolved from that. But, but I think it's important to, to have those conversations with the family early on. Uh, and one of the things that, that, that kind of the, 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 the matriarch or patriarch of the family, if they are the farmer, what they should be doing is setting aside money on a monthly basis for themselves, so that they, their wealth becomes both separate from the family farm. And I think that that's a mistake a lot of people make. Is they say to the, you know, the, the person taking over the farm, "Look, you can just buy me out one day." You know, the you know, farmland grows at a much faster rate in value than almost anything else. So it's going to be impossible for that to happen. But what you can do is you can say. I didn't pay for the farm. I inherited the farm. And so what I'll do is I'll set aside some money every month uh, for myself and for my retirement and you know, buy myself a home one day away from the farm uh, you know, and, and live, you know, live somewhere else one day. And I've got enough assets uh, that have been accumulated with farming, but not related to the farm, that I can look after myself one day. And that gives the family the, the ability to continue running the farm. Or the family might say, none of us want to farm. And therefore, you know, we either dispose of the farm, you know, that that might be an option. It's very hard for some people to do that. Or we, we need to appoint a professional manager of the farm and we will agree a method. Again, it goes back to the Constitution. We'll agree a method of how this farm should be run, how, how this farm manager gets paid and how, how money gets distributed to us if there is any money left over. And, and that's important as well. There shouldn't be an expectation that you're always going to earn money from a thing like a farm. You know, it's so cyclical. There might be months or years where you don't earn money.
0: Very, very interesting. Thanks, Warren. You've given us a lot of food for thought, I think, on this episode. Um, Thanks so much for your time today and sharing your insights with the listeners.
1: It's my my pleasure. Lovely to be on the show.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. Thank you for listening to The Family Finance Show with Diana Granu. Proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. The time is now to own your financial future. Visit oldmutual.co.za for more great advice, articles, free budgeting tools and calculators, or to find a financial advisor. We'll be back next week.